It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome to This Week in the Big East, our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and stories from the schools in the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara in episode three for 2021. This week, the focus shifts to Villanova, returning to the floor for the first time in 27 days. Xavier and Georgetown have hit the pause button. They prepare for a potential restart. In the meantime, those that can play are doing so and showing us that the balance of talent and power within the Big East isn't as concentrated in just a couple of spots as we originally thought, Kevin. No question. First of all, John, great to have Villanova back. You know, we haven't seen them since before Christmas time. They needed everything they could to hold off a really good seat in the hall team. But we've seen that middle of the league start to bubble up a little bit as well. St. John's with just a monster win at UConn. Uh, Providence getting off the mat, winning at Creighton. And how about Butler? We're going to have Coach Laval Jordan on later on. Two very good wins. They, they knock off Creighton. Right. And then beat DePaul. So right. Some impressive teams. The middle of the league is, is starting to rise. And, and that's what you usually expect out of the Big East year in and year out. I mean, you get the, the, the best teams that are usually really good early, and then it usually takes you five, six games, maybe even half the conference schedule before you see that, that, that dough start to rise in the middle of the Big East. Now, one issue, though, John, right now, uh, Villanova is in the top 10, not only in the, in the polls, but more importantly, in the net rankings. They, they were seventh at, at midweek. There's no other Big East team in the top 25. Creighton, with their two losses, has fallen just out of the top 25 in the net. Xavier is, is about 40. So that really is, is going to put an awful lot of pressure on teams to rip off wins. Yep. Make sure you come in when you have a chance against a Creighton, a Xavier, a Connecticut a Seton Hall. So it's just not as many opportunities as maybe the last few seasons. Kevin's mentioned some of the net numbers. So let's get to this week's on the court Big East headlines. Three Big East schools remain ranked in the Associated Press Top 25 this week. Villanova, despite not playing over a 27-day period, is ranked third with Creighton at 11 and UConn at number 23. Speaking of Villanova, the Wildcats maintain a league lead at 4-0 after a successful return to the floor holding off Seton Hall this week. Providence is the next challenge for the Cats this weekend. St. John's, Marquette, and Butler also showing improved performances this week with road wins. And while Villanova has returned to play, Xavier and Georgetown remain within their respective COVID protocols in an effort to return to the court as soon as it is possible. The Hoyas have had games with Providence, Marquette, and Xavier postponed, while the Musketeers have also postponed games with Nova, Seton Hall, and UConn. As the calendar moves toward the end of January, something to keep an eye on will be the ability or inability to reschedule these postponements before preparing for the Big East tournament. Time and available days beginning to run short. Home teams are only 21 and 18 through Wednesday of this week. Creighton, Villanova, and Marquette have the opportunity to hold serve again this weekend. So, Kevin, we're, we're hitting the halfway point of the league schedule, as I mentioned, with just a very little bit of breathing room left to schedule potential makeups along the way. What kind of a position do you think this puts some of these teams into, and is it fair or not? Well, it's definitely not fair, John. And I think we all agreed that that was going to be the case throughout this season. It's not an equitable situation, coast to coast, conference to conference. 
And that's certainly the case in the Big East. Right now, there's a few teams that I think they'll be able to get to the NCAA minimum of 13 games. DePaul has seven uh, and Connecticut has nine. Those are the two that are not in double figures. So they, they can't afford too many more postponements. Now, the Big East has plugged in two weeks in February for uh, rescheduling, right. but you can't reschedule six games in two weeks. You know, no. no team wants to be able to play three games in a week. I think what we may see if the current trends continue is we won't see a 20 game Big East. We'll, we'll go down to 18 and who knows, maybe even fewer, but that, that would be a very difficult situation. I, I think 18 is a number that the league should strive for at a minimum. All right. To be determined, of course, as we plug along here toward the tournament in the second week of March. We thank our Westwood One affiliate stations this season for tuning in to check us all out, of course. Thanks for catching us on SiriusXM. If you're doing the podcast thing, subscribe, rate, review us on Apple and Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Castro, CastBox, and Podfriend. There's a ton of them out there. For more on the podcasts, you can visit our website, www.twitbeat.buzzsprout.com. And you can also listen online at westwoodonesports.com and on bigeast.com. Inside episode three this week, Butler has one of the younger teams in the Big East with those young guns gaining valuable playing time and a little bit of momentum of late. Laval Jordan will join us coming up. We'll also get the national perspective from college basketball writer and author Dana O'Neill, who will share her plans on a new Big East book coming out. Plus, a newcomer to the league is getting indoctrinated rather quickly on what is required to win at a place like Marquette. As Ohio State transfer DJ Carton joins us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. Big East Spotlight. St. John's, Marquette. Oh, Good move by Carton, and he finishes. Here's Carton. Drive, left hand. Yes. Yeah, so you got to read the scouting reports. Consider this tale for a moment. A former five-star prep guard from Iowa tries to make his way into the college game and then decides he needs a different outlook after only a year. It happens a lot these days in the game. So much so, the NCAA is hoping to soon settle on transfer issues for the foreseeable future. Marquette guard DJ Carton joins us this week of the Big East. DJ, I'm wondering, after starting at one place in your career, and then deciding to move along to another, can you tell us why you think it's a good idea now for the NCAA to allow athletes the freedom to move on if they decide to do that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a big thing. I mean, the recruiting process uh, is a very tough thing on kids, um, especially, you know, ones that are recruited at such a young age. Um, for me, I was getting recruited at, you know, 16, or 16, 17 years old. So you're, you know, creating relationships with these coaches at 16, 17 years old. And then you're actually going to college around, you know, 1920. So, um, you know, some things, you know, can't, you know, some things don't follow through on what's being said and stuff like that. And, um, you know, a lot of things can change um, in time like that. So people can change and, you know, in universities as well. So I think it's a, it's a smart idea to, you know, make the transfer rule. And I think that's, you know, becoming more of a popular option now. And um, you're starting to see guys, you know, use that and um you know it's actually ended up benefiting them just being able to be in a place where they're more comfortable um place where they're you know more happy and place that best fits their game um on on the court too mm -hmm. as well so i think you know overall you're going to see it more and also i think um as far as 
you know, how it worked out for me. I, I've, I've loved it so far. I think it's, um, I'm in a really good spot right now. And, you know, I've loved playing, you know, basketball for this team. And um, I, 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 wanted, uh, I think I made the right decision, so. DJ, that, that's my follow-up question is how has the transition been for you? Obviously a really difficult situation with, with COVID and, and the campus being shut down and you guys had pauses and you know, your third game as a Marquette player is against Oklahoma State. Your fourth game is one of the biggest games of the year against Wisconsin. How was that transition for you? Yeah, uh, I mean, it wasn't, hard. It wasn't easy. Uh, I, was, uh, I took a, a long break from basketball. Um, I mean, I, I was working out and stuff during the summer, but it, it was a long time since I had really played a, a game and, and been with a team like that. So it was, it was a, it was a good, I mean, it was a tough transition coming in the summer and stuff with COVID, um, getting sent back home for six weeks um, in the summer, not being able to train in the summer. Um, also, um, you know, I had to quarantine a couple of times just because of a uh, uh, connection, like uh, tracing and stuff like that. So, you know, I faced a lot of adversity, um, you know, since I've been here, but also um, just the support. I feel like um, they have done, Mark has done a really good job of supporting us, you know, through these hard times with, you know, COVID testing and stuff like that. Just making sure we're safe. Um, I think that's helped a lot with the stress and also as well as just, uh, you know, coming in, I hadn't played basketball. I knew we were going to have a good, you know, strong schedule um, at the beginning. And I wanted that, but um also, um, it took a little bit to get my feet under me, get uh, more comfortable, find my game back again, and, you know, just kind of find my role within the team and, and stuff like that. But, you know, as the season has gone on and I've gotten to know these guys more on and off the court and, um, you know, gain trust from my coaches and, and my teammates and stuff like that, I've started to, you know, kind of, you know, find my role more within this team and, and starting um, to, you know, play more my game and, and contributing um, with uh, – Within this team, so yeah, sure. I'm Marquette's DJ Carton with us this week in the Big East. Let's talk about your game. What do you feel like you are developing, and where do you feel like you need to develop next? I feel like some things that I'm working on are really just you know staying consistent with my shot. Um, you know, I know I'm a good shooter. Um, I've been working on uh, on it a long time. I, I shot you know pretty well last year, and I knew uh, I wouldn't really have the same shots as I did last year. Um, just being in a different role, um, coming off more ball screens, um, getting more players involved, just having that different role. I knew I wouldn't get as easy of catch and shoot three. So, you know, my percentages might be a little different. But um, also, I just need to, you know, be more consistent um, with catch and shoot threes, coming off the uh, coming off the ball screen, stuff like that, mm-hmm. just to um, spread my game so I can also attack the lane, but also, you know, step back and um, space out the floor um, to make them guard me out on the perimeter. So, you know, that's one of the things I'm trying to do as well. Um, also just, you know, be smarter with the ball, make, you know, smart decisions, um, take care of the ball, um, for my team and be that guy for my team. Um, and when, and when I, when I do those things, um, you know, usually our team's in a good spot. So mm-hmm. as long as, you know, I keep, you know, working on those things and cleaning those things up, I think we'll be good. DJ, your assist totals have been fairly consistent all season. I think that speaks to the weapons that are around you. Uh, where do you think your team stands here with, uh, you know, the half of the Big East season left? And if you can just address the progress of Dawson Garcia, who clearly is getting better by the week for Marquette. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I have plenty. I have plenty of pieces around me. I mean, it's a uh, it's point guard's dream um, for me. Just, you know, these guys make the game easier. Um, you know, I mean, coach, you know, he, he has a lot of good sets and stuff to get me downhill and just make uh, make plays and 
you know, I get the ball in my teammates' hands and, you know, they do the rest. So um, we got a lot of talent, a lot of guys that can, you know, do different things and, and you know, create plays in different ways. But um, as far as Dawson, um, I mean, I think he's grown in a lot of ways. Um, he, he started off really strong this um, this season uh, against, you know, uh, earlier in our schedule and stuff. And he started off really strong, um, had a really good outing, and I expected that out of him. And, um, you know, he, he kind of got in a slump and, you know, we, we were backing him up and stuff like that. And he's, he's got out of it. He's found his confidence again. And I'm happy for him. And, you know, he's, he's a great player. He stretches the, uh, the floor out for us and he's been rebounding the ball really well. So, sure. um, you know, I, I think he's going to come with uh, he come. He brings a lot of energy on the court, something that we need, something that we feed off of. And, um, you know, I know that uh, he's going to, you know, come out next week and be ready to play and, um you know, carry that on throughout the season. One more for you, DJ. I'm curious because you have uh, mentioned yourself being a, a young guard and you've had to go up with against several young guards in the league. Who's caught your eye from some of the other teams as being a, a guy like, wow, I didn't realize he had that kind of game. That's a good question. Uh, uh, if I had to think of. Uh... Or just name the team if you don't yeah. know the guy's name. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, honestly, uh, as far as like guards, um I don't know if there's a, a very individual person as a guard that, you know, I thought like really stood out to me, but I definitely think the big East has a lot of talented players um, from playing in the big East and big 10. I think it's definitely different. I think the players in the Big East are more athletic, um, a little more skilled with the ball and stuff like that. Um, but uh, you know, there's a lot of skilled players. I think one guy that stood out to me um, when we played was uh, Mamu. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Uh, it's okay. Nobody else does guy. either. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, seen Hall, the big guy from Miami. I thought he was, you know, I thought he was pretty special. I thought he um, got in the lane on us pretty, uh, pretty well and, and dished out to, um, you know, shooters. He played, made well, rebounded well, and, and, and did pretty well. So I think that's one of the guys that stood out to me um, so far since we played. But there's a lot of, you know, unbelievable players in these conferences with David Duke and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's a fun conference to play in, and, you know, you're always going to have a show every night. So, um, it's something to look forward to. That's Marquette's DJ Carton. And along with guys like Dwan Odom at Xavier, Posh Alexander at St. John's, Providence's Alan Breed, and both Miles Tate and Chuck Harris at Butler, the young guns have arrived in the Big East Corral. Next up, who's hot when you're watching? Who stands out? Who are the guys making it rain like rock stars on a concert stage? The week's best players and top performers are next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot? This week in the Big East, who's hot? Down to nine to shoot. Breed finds Duke left side. Free throw line extended toward his bench. Down to four, down to three. Step back for David. Banks it in! (laughs) David Duke banks in a three from the left wing. Ballack tries to answer for three. He misses it. Rebound. Nate Watson grabs it. Fouled right away with 20 seconds left. Holy moly! This is over, and Providence will have won now six times in the last seven games against ranked opponents. And Providence beats 11th-ranked Creighton on the road in Omaha, 74-70. to Here is Champagny, left side quarter court, done to Champagny. Three-point shot, left side is good again! Julian Champagny! And St. John's takes the lead, 53-51 with that three-point conversion. Back to back to back to back. 
Champetti cut loose. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Player of the Week in the conference is a name that is going to become more and more familiar. Not only because he's got a brother doing it on another team and another league, but just because he's doing so well for his St. John's Red Storm. Julian Champetti, 19 points, four rebounds in a one-and-one week for the Red Storm. He had game-high totals in each game, 18 in a win against Butler, 20 points and a tough loss to Marquette. Champagne's a kid that's really starting to carry this team a little bit, Kevin. Hey, John, forget about the St. John's and the Pittsburgh games. I want to see the Champagne boys go one-on-one in the driveway. <laughs> that might be a good pay-per-view. It really would, but uh, St. John's is very happy with Julian, that's for sure. Uh, you know, showed some promise last year, but has really broken out uh, this season and re- really a welcome addition for the song. Yeah, and St. John's uh, improved play of late. I'm so impressed with some of the uh, the play of not only Champagne, but you know freshman guard Posh Alexander and their win at UConn. Uh, that's a team I think everybody needs to keep an eye on right about now. Well, John, and think about some of the great individual offensive players in this league. You know, uh, David Duke, uh, Gillespie, Book Knight, uh, Mamo Kashvili. Right now, Champagne leads the Big East in scoring, so that's saying an awful lot. Freshman of the week is a guy that we've talked about a lot already. Dawson Garcia, Marquette. Golden Eagles were perfect. He averaged 15 and a half points and five and a half rebounds in two wins for Marquette. 55% from the field. And the thing that makes him such a threat, 43% from three. You know, I don't want to say we want to give the award to Dawson Garcia already, but he's certainly trending that way as the top freshman in the league. Awful lot of good freshman guards in the league right now, John, which I'm I'm very encouraged by. But Dawson clearly is head and shoulders above everyone as we speak. On the Big East honor roll, one of those freshman guards, Miles Tate from Butler, had his first career double-double for the Bulldogs. Tyrese Martin, UConn, transfer from Rhode Island, uh, had uh, five steals in a win at DePaul. Denzel Mahoney from Creighton had 29 in their overtime loss at Butler. Romeo Weems from DePaul. Weems is going to be a guy for the Blue Demons. They'll have to lean on if DePaul is to win games down the stretch. And DJ Carton, Marquette, who we just spoke with, but DJ Carton is becoming a force for the Golden Eagles. No question. You know, I'm really intrigued by Weems, you know, early in the year. For, for a team that just hasn't played many games, seven so far, uh, Weems is certainly off to a good start. Remember, he came into Providence early, and he looked like an NBA wing forward. And I know the NBA scouts uh, certainly noticed Romeo last year and still have their eye on him as we speak. I want to also ask you about Tyrese Martin, because you saw a lot of him when he played at the University of Rhode Island for the transfer. And with James Booknight being out, he's got to be a guy that the, the Huskies have to rely upon. Well, there's no question. Dan Hurley has put an awful lot of a load on his shoulders, and he's delivered Uh, Did not come up big in the loss to St. John's, but I think that was a game where you just have to tip your hat to the Red Storm. They they went into stores and played very well. But uh, Tyrese, I think, in combination with Book Knight, when he gets back, really makes the Huskies dangerous. This week for our blast from the past in the Big East. Howard step back guarded three. You bet. Eight in a row to begin OT. He's got 47 in the game. Howard step back three again, and again, he drills it. He's got 50. Howard ties his career high with 52. And a new Big East record, 53.
It was just two years ago when Marquette's Marcus Howard unloaded a Big East record 53 points in a single game, leading the way for the Golden Eagles in a 106-104 epic road win at Creighton. He scored 11 straight points all by himself in that extra period. Yes, 53 is still the record. Yes, it might last a little while longer, Kev. John, we, we've seen a lot of great individual offensive players in our years covering the Big East. And when Marcus got hot, there probably weren't too many better. <laughs> no. One of the truly remarkable players in, in the 42-year history of this league that we've been able to see do that against some really outstanding defenders. And, John, you mentioned he had the record 53. You can remind me. I know he cracked 50 at least one other time. He did. And was, and was in the 40s numerous times. So, Correct. you know, a bad night for Marcus Howard was 20, which, which is pretty impressive. <laughs> now, if you were a defender and you held him to 20, you're thinking, hey, I had a good night tonight. Not bad. Not bad at all. All right, moving from the veteran presence of a recent star player to the current realities at a place like Butler. The Bulldogs have had their growing pains this season, oftentimes playing with several freshmen on the floor at the same time. But those young guys are getting coached up. Head coach Laval Jordan joins us to talk about that next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. Big East Focus. 105 left. Shot clock at nine. Butler leading by two. Aaron Thompson with four to shoot. Thompson wheeling around. Floater up and in. Oh! Two possessions right as the shot clock expires. And the Bulldogs with their largest lead of the game. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. There have been some challenging moments to be sure for Butler thus far this season, especially when you're trying to teach the younger guys your older tricks of the trade. But Laval Jordan's recruiting class from last year is beginning to show its ability, paying off with some improved play of late. And Coach Jordan joins us this week in the Big East. Laval playing a lot of freshmen at the same time usually isn't a recipe for success, but you've had to make it work because of the early injury to Aaron Thompson. So how would you grade these guys right now? Uh, I, I think they're doing well. I mean, you know, it, it's a lot to to come into college basketball in the college environment and, and pick it up and, and then be able to go out there and be uh, be productive uh, as a freshman. Uh, and then you throw, you know, a lack of a summer and, and a pandemic uh, on top of, of that and all the circumstances just to, to take away to get the ability to catch up to speed uh, maybe quicker. Um, so all, all that being said, you know, uh, they're picking things up and they're, um, you know, they got the right attitude about it. They got a work, ethic, work ethic about them, uh, and, and they're getting better, you know, in games. And so it's good to see progress. Coach, you, you left out maybe the, the toughest curveball that you threw at your kids. Uh, the second, because of the pandemic and lack of games early, their second college game is Villanova. Their third college game is Indiana. <laughs> Hello, uh, especially your freshman guards. How did they get through that? And uh, with Aaron Thompson getting hurt in the Villanova game as well. Yeah, and then they're out there, right? Uh, so the best part about it is uh, they're getting, um, you know, a lot of minutes and experience. And probably the worst part about it is they're getting a lot of minutes and experience. So, um, you know, it's sink or swim. Uh, and, and, and like I said, their attitudes. Uh, in spite of some of the mistakes, the normal freshman mistakes, uh, attitudes have been good. They just they've got to get better mindset, uh, and you've seen them grow. So I think they've got a confidence. Um, you know, our two guards Tate and 
and Chuck, uh, they've got a confidence about them in their, in their abilities. And, and, and obviously we believe in them. Um, and so you're seeing them grow right before our eyes. You're seeing, you know, play with a lot of confidence. It doesn't mean they're mistake free by any means. Uh, but, you know, these last few games and, and last few weeks, you know, they made a lot of growth. You know, oftentimes, Coach, it's it's a difficult chemistry mix when you try to put really young guys in with uh, seasoned guys, especially in your case when you got a guy like J.R. Bolden who's, you know, a fourth, fifth-year guy and he's coming in from another school and yet he's supposed to lead you by example. How has that mix been with a guy like Bolden and certainly a guy like Thompson as well, but having to lend some of their experience to these younger guys? Yeah, I think Jair's uh, done a great job of um, – I've, I've talked to him and just sharing his story. Like, he's played Division One basketball at a couple different places, so he understands that. He, he's learning Butler, too, now. Uh, so they're all out there, you know, second game Villanova and, and after, you know, three weeks off where uh, they're trying to learn the system and then you get shut down for three weeks, including Jair. Uh, mm-hmm. So he, he knows, you know, the, the competitiveness, the toughness, the physicality at this level, but he's still learning Butler. Um, so they're all in the same, you know, on the same page in, in that regard. Um, and, and they're picking it up. And I think you're seeing a, a lot more comfort um, in terms of uh, offensively, a lot better understanding defensively. And our defense has improved, you know, last couple of times out because of that. Pretty clear that your defense uh, has jumped up and directly attributable to Aaron Thompson. Uh, his impact uh, on your entire operation, uh, Lavella, I'm curious how you would quantify that. And it seems offensively he's he's much more aggressive this season. Certainly. I think, uh, you know, you can't – I don't know if you can put a value on Aaron's impact, you know, uh, just with uh, his presence and command on the floor, his communication defensively. Uh, so even if it isn't where he's uh, locked into a matchup and – uh, a guy like a Mahoney who we switched him on to late when he was rolling or, or Balak early to kind of try to take him away. But but his communication as a team defender and, and leading our defense, uh, just organizing our offense, you know, there's a lot of things that Miles and Chuck are learning, you know, who should be where, when, and how to start to play right and uh, so that we can execute. You know, and those things that uh, Aaron knows because he's been in the system for three years now. Um, he's done, did a great job while he was out of coaching and mentoring, uh, and, he, and he's put time in, you know, just to be a, be a threat offensively. I think over the over the years, where people uh, know him as a great defender, uh, and he had, you know, Kamar and Sean and Keelan Martin and guys like that, Jordan Tucker around him. Uh, but he's put a lot of work in and um, trying to get him in positions to be a threat because he's he can finish. He's an elite finisher and he's and he's physical player. Um, so he's really, you know, honed in on how he can help us. Uh, even more offensively without, you know, overdoing things. Butler head coach Laval Jordan joining us this week in the Big East. Coach, you got one young guy on your roster that really has intrigued me that's kind of off the radar here, but I wanted to ask you specifically about Miles Wilmoth. I mean, Al McGuire once said you can't coach height. I don't think you can coach length either, and this kid is long. Yeah, so, yeah he is. Uh, you know, he's He's been a pleasant surprise as, as uh, um, you know, we're not sure how much – he was going to factor in uh, in a normal year with in, into the rotation, knowing that, hey, he's got to get some weight on his body. He's a great kid. He works his tail off. Uh, but he's got to get some weight on his body to be able to get out and, and compete and be productive in the Big East. But, um, you know, with this being a, um, a, a, a uncertain year and, and with the waiver uh, that you get back and, and then with some injuries on our in our locker room, 
uh, he had to jump out there and go. Uh, so he didn't play in the Western Michigan game. And then he jumps out in the Villanova game and comes in, goes three for three and mm-hmm. makes his first three and battles mm-hmm. on the glass. And <laughs> I think he's really just, you know, embraced how, how he can help. Uh, he's just being active on the offensive glass, uh, using his length defensively. And um, and then he's, he's grown confidence and developed uh, where he can make an open shot. And he's not trying to do too much. He's just trying to play his role. And uh, he's really uh, – he's impacted some games for us, which is uh, – you know, I don't know if we would have told you that coming in in year one. Right. Coach, I'm curious where you think the league is right now, especially the, the middle or the teams that maybe started a little slowly and are getting better like yourselves. Maybe St. John's, uh, Providence uh, had a big win – at Creighton the other night. Um, just curious where you think the league is and how much more competitive maybe it's probably going to get just because those younger teams do seem to be improving. Yeah, it's going to be a battle here down the stretch, fella. I mean, just you knew, obviously, um, you look at Creighton and Nova and Seton Hall uh, returning a lot of players, Providence, uh, guys that just, you know, they've got guys that know their system, know their stuff. They've had over 200, 300 practices, uh, you know, there. Uh, so they're ingrained in, in, in what they do. So uh, given this situation that we're in, uh, you know, them being affected by it, it may, may not be as affected. Uh, even, you know, everybody's affected, but, you, you know, you look at uh, teams that are playing younger guys like us in St. John's and, um, you know, in Georgetown and uh, Xavier's got a bunch of new guys as well uh, starting to mesh. And, and, and I think it's the best basketball league in the country. Uh, but I really think, you know, down the stretch here, it, it's going to be a uh, you know, as much of a battle as it ever has been uh, because you're seeing you know, everybody get better, uh, which is what you normally see. Uh, and so, you, you know, it's going to be one possession, two possession games and um, we'll, we'll have to be able to execute and you better be tough. Thanks again to Butler's Laval Jordan. Kev, as we've mentioned, Butler pulled off an upset of Creighton in a road win at DePaul back-to-back now. It sure seems like the learning curve is turning upward in no time at all at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Well, John, as Coach Jordan mentioned, you know, Wilmoth, Harris, Tate, very good players. Jacoby Coles and Scooby Johnson are two other parts of that big-time recruiting class, and uh, they've, they've had injuries and not be able to help on a consistent basis. Clearly, the future is bright at Hinkle. Well, speaking of learning curves and the upward trend, she has seen her share of them during time as a reporter covering the Big East in Philadelphia, covering Villanova, and in her travels throughout the conference. What does this year, with all of its twists and turns, look like to the athletics' Dana O'Neill? We find out next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the National Perspective. The National Perspective. There's 1.1 on the clock right now. Yeah, here comes Mamu, and everybody's there. It's kind of like a Hail Mary. Molson throws it again. Mamu caught it. Three-pointer for the win. And Villanova hangs on by two. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. We're all getting used to temperature checks. Time to take one of the current state of the Big East with the athletic.com college basketball writer and author Dana O'Neill. Dana, you've covered Villanova extensively over the years with the Cats coming off of their, their COVID pause. How difficult has it been for them? And, and do you think it will be for others to step right back into the fight after long layoffs? Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, I talked to Jay Wright about their layoff and, and it was so complicated because he had guys that, 
you know, have already had COVID so they could work out with coaches who've had COVID. They had guys who had COVID currently and couldn't do anything. They had guys in between who could only work out in between. So it was varying levels of, you know, of staying fit during that month off. Um, I think they looked all things equal, pretty decent against Seton Hall, you know, coming back, that's a tough game to play against off, off a, a long break like that. I think they're fortunate you know, this is an older team. They're used to playing with one another. They kind of know the drill by now, if you will. So I think that to me is the great advantage that any team going through this right now has. If you have a team that's experienced, is accustomed to playing with one another, has good chemistry, it becomes a lot less complicated. Dana, we, John and I look at the Big East on a daily basis and don't really venture out too much. You obviously, you know, live in the East and you worry and look at the Big East an awful lot, but you also look at so many other programs around the country. How do you weigh one league against another right. in, in a crazy season like this? I think it's super hard, and I do not envy the selection committee for that very job because it is, you know, I mean, every year I think – it's complicated, right? Because what the big 10 is versus what the big East is, you just don't really know because there's only, there's only so much cross pollination, if you will. Mm. But I think this year it's especially hard because the non-conference was so upside down. I think what you have to do, I mean, people talk about the eye test and there is some level of, you know, that's true to an extent, but I can't watch every game. So I can't know for sure. I think sometimes you have to watch a game and say, you know, a good team when you see it. Mm -hmm. Right. Or, you know, a good team that's kind of coming into form when you see it and hope that that your that your eyeballs aren't letting you down. But, um, you know, I think leagues that have continuity top to bottom, I think you can trust in them a little bit more when you know that, OK, these are these have this league has a bunch of really good teams and therefore the quality of the competition is legitimate. Dana, I'm going to put you on the spot for just a second and, and pretend you're in that selection committee room. What would you look for, you know, with all these, you know, disparate pieces of the puzzle to put together, what would you look for in a team that you would consider NCAA tournament worthy? At some level, look, you, you do have to look at who they've played and, and how they've done. I mean, there is still some level of that, right? You can look at, at a Villanova, for example, and say, all right, well, Seton Hall's pretty good. You know, the, the Big East is pretty good. How have they fared in that? I think you have to look, honestly, just for continuity, whatever that looks like. I mean, the, the schedule is not continuous right now. It's It's off and on, back and forth. But how are teams playing through that? Are they showing continuity in their own product? Have they avoided massive lulls and highs and lows? Have they found sort of a rhythm? Um, are they playing, you know, their style of basketball well? Because you can't say, oh, they're playing well offensively because that's, you know, that's not fair to Baylor. Are yep. they playing good defensively? That's not fair to Gonzaga. So when you watch them, do they look like they are in sort of a swing of things? Are they playing teams that are like-minded well. Um, I, I, like I said, I really think it's hard. I, it's going to be so hard. Dana, we can separate Villanova. I think we all agree that they're one of the better teams in the country. Uh, I'm curious who else you think in the Big East can be a, you know, a top four or five seed and, and maybe do some damage in March. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the simple answer has been Creighton, although, you know, that, that um, Providence game was an eye-opener, wasn't it? So, you know, I, I still think based on personnel and, and who they have on the floor, you, you, can get, you can assume that I think Creighton is going to be there. I mean, they've just experienced, they've got, they've got great talent. They know their system very, very well. Um, I think that that's not a difficult thing to pick. I think 
I, I wish we could get some continuity for a team like UConn, because I think UConn can be something. Now, you know, losing both with the wrist injury is challenging. So what can they be without him? And how long is that going to be? That has to be factored into the equation. Um, but I do think that, you know, that is a team, if they could get some schedule underneath of them, they could be pretty darn good. Um, I'm curious about Seton Hall. I mean, I have been since the very beginning of the season. I just feel like I know they lost a lot and I know they did not beat Villanova the other day, but I feel like that's a team. If they can get got rolling down a hill, I think they could be pretty dangerous. Maybe I'm dead wrong, but I've felt that way since the beginning of the season. Athletic.com college basketball writer Dana O'Neill joining us this week in the Big East. You know, I, I heard the two uh, big words in there previously, Dana, Gonzaga and Baylor. Beyond that, are you amongst those that, kind of believe that maybe this is a two-horse race for a national title? And if not, who else is a contender? And could one of those teams come from the Big East? I happen to believe that when you watch teams play, when Gonzaga and Baylor get on the court, it looks like they're playing a different sport. Mm -hmm. I think they are considerably better than pretty much everybody else in the country. But as we all know, that does not necessarily mean they will win a national championship or play each other in the national championship. Weird things happen. And especially this year, the way this NCAA tournament is going to be played in Indianapolis and so many, so many unique variables to this season. I can't say that we will guaranteed see, you know, Gonzaga and Baylor. If I'm saying yes, who else can challenge? The obvious one is again, Villanova. I mean, because look, minus Sadiq Bay, they've got everything back. They will play their style of basketball. Colin Gillespie is as reliable and steady as a leader and as a point guard as you're going to find out there. I think Jeremiah Robinson Earl is frequently underrated um, as just a talented national player. Beyond that, you know, I think you can't ignore Iowa. Luca Garza um, is ridiculously good and mm -hmm. he can be the kind of player you can ride his back. I worry about them defensively just because they're just not very good at it. And um, at some point that could bite you in the rear end. So I'm a little curious to see how they handle it. I, I have a little less faith in Texas. I have a little less, less faith in Michigan. I'm not saying they can't, but I'm just, I'm not there yet. So I, I, right now, I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot of teams, but as I said, this tournament is going to be so weird that it's just hard to predict how it's going to turn out. Danny has a question without an answer, but you know, this is what we do. We're media people and we can, we, we can fret about the future. Absolutely. So we have conference tournaments. They yep. go off without a hitch and everyone or the best teams have to go to Indianapolis. They have to test. They have to maybe quarantine for a little bit. What happens if someone spark, you know, gets a positive test as soon as selection Sunday is over? I have asked this question, Kevin, and I wish I had a good answer for you. And I don't, I have asked that question repeatedly. Cause that's what I said. What if, you know, Baylor lines up for its one sixteen game and the night before three guys test positive is the 16 seed now in the second round. Like, is that really what we're going to do here? Um, I think, you know, they're going to require seven negative tests upon arrival into Indianapolis. They're going to basically put every single team on their own individual floor with no fraternization within the floors. They're going to make sure that everybody who is shepherding these guys from bus drivers to hotel workers are tested and, and the bubble is as secure as they can get it. But as we all know, just weird things happen. So I'll be very curious to see what the threshold is. If one guy tests positive, is the whole team shut down? Is it four? Is it three? Is Baylor rolling out there with four walk-ons and one starter and hoping to beat a 16 <laughs> seed? Because you can't, 
not play the game because the whole bracket collapses. That's the problem. Um, And there's not a lot of wiggle room. If you looked at what the NCAA put out, we're in the same window. So I don't know. Uh, Honestly, I don't know. I mean, at some point the tournament has to go on, right? So you just cross your fingers that we don't have to answer this question, but it's a legit question. Dana, I'll end here with a, a, a project that I know you're getting ready to work on, and we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about it, but I know you're working on a book project covering Big East basketball. Can you tell us about it a little bit? Yeah, I joke around. I tell everybody that, you know, everyone's been sort of lost in this chaos of this pandemic. I've been living in the 70s and 80s. It's been awesome. So like, nice. I'm going back and watching old Big East games and talking to, you know, Jim Calhoun and PJ Carlissimo and reliving, you know, Michael Graham's punch. Um, so it's been sort of a pleasure. I, it's basically, I mean, it's a narrative love story, if you will, to the Big East. Um, it sort of carries the arc of the entire conference from beginning to current and, and kind of what made it so unique and the daring of Dave Gavitt to form it and the, the great stories that we all know with hopefully a little backstory information, um, you know, not just the sweater game, but kind of what precipitated the sweater game, why John Thompson got the t-shirt and why Louie wore the sweater. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it's been a lot of fun. It's coming out in the fall. And um, it, the cool thing is when you call people and say, Hey, you want to talk about some old biggie stories? And nobody says no. Everyone's like, yes, please. <laughs> so it's been <laughs> easy. Do, do you have a working title for the book yet? We are still in con- in collaboration on that one. There's a lot of uh, no is a short answer because it's like one of those things you want it to be catching and good on the searches and all of that, but um, not too trite. So we have a couple we're kicking around. So I will take recommendations if people have them. The Athletics' Dana O'Neill and be on the lookout this fall for her upcoming book on the Big East. Who's got next? We'll jump into an ever-changing schedule as it presently consists next this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next this week in the Big East? Who's got next this week in the Big East? 5-0 UConn run. Here's Martin starts to his left. Little jab step move, attacks inside, lays it in left-handed. Tyrese Martin with a huge play. And UConn with a minute left leads 59-53. John Rook, Kevin McNamara, this week in the Big East, the weekly schedule uh, for next week. Uh, Again, we have to couch everything slightly because we don't know about any potential postponements on down the line. There are a couple that we are aware of, but what is being scheduled, Kevin, looks like a heck of a lot of fun starting on Saturday. UConn at Creighton, Providence playing at Villanova. That's a great one-two punch on national television, I think, on Saturday afternoon. John, this season I always have my fingers crossed that – Things won't uh, turn upside down. I, I have them double-crossed for Saturday because that's a great <laughs> doubleheader. Uh, UConn needs to get off the mat after it's lost to St. John's. And, hey, Creighton's lost two in a row and are at home, so they certainly need a win. So that, that's a big one for those two teams. And what do you say about Providence? You know, they went from 80 to 68 with that win at Creighton in the net. Imagine what a win at Villanova would do. And if yeah. you remember last year – Providence really needed a win and got it done at Villanova last year. Actually, St. John's is also going to add a non-league game in order to get an extra one in. They'll play Utah Valley uh, at home while DePaul will visit Marquette. Next Tuesday, um, you have Georgetown and Xavier, two teams that are in COVID pause right now, so it's postponed. But Butler uh, back out on the floor, and they'll play at UConn as well. So UConn continues to get tested uh, without the um, the presence of James Booknight, who's recovering from his elbow surgery. And then Wednesday next week, man, this could be big for the middle of that uh, of that Big East Conference. Marquette will play at Providence. 
huge game for both teams. You know, Providence lost at Marquette only, you know, a week, 10 days ago. This is what happens in the Big East. You blink of an eye and all of a sudden you get that team again. Providence, their first home game and, well, it's a four-game road, road swing. So maybe a month or certainly three weeks. So the Friars certainly would love to get back to Alumni Hall with a victory. Interesting games as well. Creighton will play at Seton Hall in a, a challenge there between two league titans, and St. John's and DePaul will do battle. So some good games on the agenda for this next week. Let's knock on wood and hope everybody comes through okay, Kev. I knock on wood every morning, John. It's the best way to begin a day. I cannot, could not agree more. Our thanks to Marquette's DJ Carton, Butler's Laval Jordan, and the Athletics' Dana O'Neill for joining us this week. Thanks go out to our flagship radio stations, as always, for their wonderful assistance to producer Kevin Collins, executive producer John Paquette, and thanks to all of the coaches and administrators at all of our 11 Big East member institutions. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. Find us on Twitter, at JR Broadcaster, at Kevin McNamara 33 Use that hashtag, TwitBe, T-W-I-T-B-E. Always find out what's going on. Send us your questions. We'll use them on the show. And we'll join you again right here, same time next week for This Week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.